Super Talk Mississippi media production. Have you heard all the rave about the new Quick Grill located inside the Be Quick Chevron on Veterans Boulevard? Come visit Be Quick Chevron along with Quick Grill, Be Quick Food Marts, your locally owned hometown convenience store, wherever you are. What is up on a Wednesday? I am Brian Scott Rippey. My co-conspirator, as always, is Colin Brister. We appreciate you hanging out with us on this Wednesday edition of the Rebel Report podcast. Um, Loaded show today. We've got Aaron Fitt of D1 Baseball on. He covers college baseball for D1 Baseball. I'm sure most of you listening are aware of what that is. We talked to regional. We talked Ole Miss and State regional. We talked kind of who got screwed nationally, how TCU somehow got into the field. A little bit on the third assistant rule or a ruling and uh, not necessarily like what you would think, but more so just along the lines of what that means going forward. Some other different stuff. Loaded show today. Colin, what's up? Not much. Not much. Uh, just uh, looking, it's going to be Friday soon, and it's going to be running at that point. Yeah, it is. This is an interesting time of the year. I think it's kind of underrated because, like, I watch college baseball, like, in, like, like I'll watch it, obviously, like, covering it, and then I'll watch, like, sometimes, like, if, like, other SEC games, like, I'll watch on, like, a Thursday or Friday night when there's not a ton on, but, like, I don't watch it, like, across the country that as much, and, like, this is, like, the one time of year where, like, you could put three, four TVs up or screens or whatever you want to call it, and it's, it's pretty compelling stuff. Yeah, yeah, it's, uh, it's, well, usually on Friday and Saturday, it's pretty good baseball. Once you get to Sunday and you get some of these teams who don't have any pitching left, it kind of gets miserable. Yeah, that is uh, that is certainly a good point. But then at the same time, you sometimes you've got a one seed that's kind of on like lost and got to beat the you know three seed or something like that twice, and that gets kind of interesting. Because I can tell you from Cincinnati, Cincinnati, Ohio last year, the Oxford Regional was not boring. <laughs> that is that is certainly a moniker you could use. It's not boring. Yeah, it was uh, it was something. I didn't ever watch. I didn't watch the first game that day. Like I was working a day game, and then I got back. And I'll never forget this. I got back. I got some food. I had some food and some beer. And I was like, "What's on television?" And I was like, "Oh, oh, this is in the third inning of a uh, winner take all game." Like click, and <laughs> boy, was it something. <laughs> yeah, I uh, yeah, I don't even really. We don't have to rehash the entire regional last year, but man, We're just. Not. Yeah, you just you just don't uh you probably don't want to be in that scenario again. I don't see like Illinois or Clemson's probably not a fifty win Tennessee Tech team that knocks the cover off the ball. Like they're probably okay in that regard. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was it was it was sobering just because well just because it was it was so interesting to watch go down just because Ole Miss was so good. Like it wasn't like that sixteen team that backed their way into a hosting spot. I say backed their way in. Wasn't supposed to be that good. That right. team was almost a national seed when they still did the eight seeds. But point being, like that team, like you didn't have real expectations for that team. This one, a little different. Yeah, that was that was tough. Ooh, ooh if I made you a bet over or under three and a half games this weekend for Ole Miss. Oh man, I think I'd go under. But boy, if it's over that fourth game, because I don't think there's any scenario where this team goes zero and two, right? Oh no! <laughs> I mean, no, no, no. I mean, with between Etheridge and Nikhazy, no. Yeah. So I was talking to a friend like that with about that last night. If I made you bet over or under three and a half, I think you go under. But God Almighty! If you Man, if that goes over, don't you have to pump oxygen in the stadium just for like safety purposes? <laughs> if you're playing on Monday night, the rain looks like it's going to hold off, so that's good. 
Yeah, that's. I didn't have any rain in my forecast over the weekend. I, I say forecasted. I opened the weather app and looked at whether it had the little sun emoji or the cloud. Um, yeah. But yeah, that there's rain. Yeah, that, well, that one looked okay at least through Sunday. Yeah, no, Sunday looked good too. I didn't. I don't think I looked at Monday. Hopefully, there isn't a Monday. That is a good point. Yeah, but man, if that uh, if that gets to a fourth game, I uh, yeah, Oof. yeah, <laughs> oh buddy. So, um. I don't know. I guess getting started, we'll go with, I mean, the most newsworthy thing here is Clemson and Illinois both holding their left-handed aces for the second game, um, presumably in a matchup against Ole Miss unless something's gone really awry. Point being, like like you said earlier, Ole Miss is going to see a lefty either way, presumably in the winner's bracket game. Which one would you rather face? Uh, it's, it's certainly Illinois to me. I mean, Clemson's got... Which is Eric, what's it, Eric Fisher? Uh, Andy, Andy Fisher. Fisher, excuse me. Yeah. Yeah, Illinois has, has got a guy that's 88 to 90, which Ole Miss has looked. They've struggled against anybody that throws with their left hand, but they really struggled against the type of guy that Clemson has, Matt Clark, that throws 84 to 86 and just paints the outside corners. It kind of reminds me of Jake Kuchmaner from East Carolina. Uh, you don't want that. So it's, uh, to me, Ole Miss, I mean, obviously. Jake Kuchmaner from East Carolina, it should be noted, took a uh, no hit. Was it perfect game or no hit bid to the ninth? Perfect game to the ninth, yeah. And Two then, outs in the ninth. No, no, it was, it was no hitter. He had hit Olenek earlier. That's right. Shocking. But then he threw a perfect game like two weeks later. Yes. Um, but, yeah, I don't think Ole Miss wants that guy. I mean, I, I certainly think they're better than Clemson, but that's just kind of a matchup issue. I think Ole Miss wants Fisher on uh, on Saturday in the winner's bracket. And they uh, Illinois doesn't have the uh, left-handers out of the pen that Clemson has. I just think Illinois is a better matchup on Saturday for Ole Miss. So obviously, pose, like like I posed this question, I think before we started recording this, if the city of Oxford is not burning Saturday morning, Ole Miss has done what? It don't say win the game because obviously, they, like they they would have won the game, but like they did what? Like they got the kid out of the fifth and the sixth yeah, inning and scored four or five runs. Yeah, and they don't let because uh, Jacksonville State's got a really good bullpen arm in Jackson Tavel that Ole Miss frankly cut when he was at Ole Miss. So I'm sure there's some personal uh, stuff there, but. Yeah, they don't let him get. They don't let. I tell you what, that's that's. The, they don't let uh, Farmer hand the ball to Jackson Tyble. If, if they can do that, that yeah, because that means you're in a hell of a scenario. Yeah, um, that means your game's probably out of out of reach for Jacksonville State. So if the first bullpen arm is not Jackson Tyble, I think Ole Miss is going to be okay. Yeah, and so what they're starting Farmer, right-handed kid who we talked to Aaron Fit about him a little bit. Aaron said he hadn't seen him, but obviously knows he has pretty good stuff. I mean, it's your typical kid that you know dominated the you know a, a, a middle-tier league, but respectable enough. Like they're not running some, you know, they're not running whatever UAL all ran out there back in March. Right. It feels like he's probably what a third starter, a Sunday guy this. Probably. Yeah, and, and Ole Miss should beat that guy. I mean, you should score guys or runs on the guys that SEC teams throw out on Sunday. So I don't feel – and he's right-handed. Uh, I don't feel like Ole Miss is going to get shut down by any stretch of the imagination on Friday night. Um, Yeah, and then – so you went under on three-and-a-half games? Yeah, yeah, I'm going to go. I think Ole Miss wins it in three. I, I think – here's an interesting stat. Ole Miss has hosted – I think this is their ninth regional, so they've played eight regionals at home. They are five and zero in those winners bracket games, so that to me, like they don't lose those, and I think they're going to win on Friday. They don't lose the winners bracket game, and I don't think there's a team that's offensive enough like Tennessee Tech was to run back through the losers bracket. 
Yeah, that's fair, because that really is kind of what got that team through the loser's bracket, right? Because, it, honestly, I, I watched. I remember watching the when Ole Miss played Tennessee Tech in the winner's bracket game, and that was a game that Tennessee Tech probably felt they could have won, not necessarily should have. Yeah. And then they had enough offense to, like you said, get through the, the loser's bracket portion of it, and then, obviously, we, we know what happened after that. But, uh, yeah, like they're, 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 there's not a team with that kind of feel. I mean... It's probably Illinois with a little more pitching depth that you're going to pick one, but still they don't really swing at that like that. Yeah, and, and at some point you run out of pitching depth once you go through the loser's bracket. Uh, you got to bash your way through it. And there's one team here that could bash their way through the, through the loser's bracket, and it, it's Ole Miss. Yeah, and you talk about pitching depth. That's actually one thing that, like, you talk about what Ole Miss kind of found in itself at Hoover. I think they kind of reinvigorated some pitching depth. And, like, because they went through some guys who had not pitched and gotten outs in a long time who pitched well. Like, remember, there's points in the seasons where you're talking about, okay, do you go Miller or Myers to get to Crazy? And then after that, you're like, oh, yeah, that's, uh, like, if he gets past that, like, Godspeed. <laughs> yeah. So, like. Now, but like now that they put Caleb Hill in for a matchup, or Max Trophy needed to get through an inning or two thirds of an inning or something like that, like I would imagine Mike Bianco feels a lot better than he did a month ago with if that situation were to arise. Yeah, and, and that's that's big going towards the postseason because look, I don't think Ole Miss is going to go undefeated in the postseason. Uh, you can, you got to have some pitching depth, and that's what they were able to do over there in Hoover last week. So that's actually an interesting point you bring up because I don't think they're going undefeated through the postseason either, and I'm not talking about Omaha. I'm talking about the first two rounds. Like Let's not get absurd here. So that's going to be the real pressing question with this group, right, is when they don't go undefeated because if you lose in the first two rounds, that means another one and you're, uh, you're playing golf. <laughs> yeah, and so – how do, when that does happen, how does this team react? Uh, well, it depends on when it is to me. Because uh, personally, I think Ole Miss is going three and zero this weekend. I think they, that they've got a really good matchup. I don't think they play tight in Fayetteville if they lose a game. I think you know, especially if you lose on Friday to Isaiah Campbell, and you've got Doug Nikhazy on the mound on Saturday. I think they're okay if the loss comes in Fayetteville in a super regional, or even in Oxford in a super regional. I think if they, it's in a regional this weekend, it, it's a whole different ball game. So that's another fun game to play. I think there, if Ole Miss were to get through a regional this weekend, I would bet a lot of money that they're headed towards Fayetteville, Arkansas. But if they were staying in Oxford, what happened? Uh, well, that's that's a pretty simple answer. Uh, TCU is holding their first round ace on on Friday, uh, and Cal is not. I don't believe. So if TCU wins that game and they throw their ace, I mean, and they're going to throw their ace at the first round left-handed guy. He goes out there and throws eight innings and does give up a run against Arkansas. I'm not going to be shocked. Uh, I think that's actually, if anybody but Arkansas wins that regional, I think it's TCU. The team that shouldn't be in the field, because we asked Fit about that. Should not be in the field, yes. 59 RPI, and like we were talking about a second ago, Fit was just, I and Aaron Fit was just honestly like, yeah, they had an ally on the committee, let's call this what it is. Because we asked him about Ray Tanner going on television being like, oh, well, they're getting healthy. And he's like, well, I watched Beesmer from Missouri make the same argument, and he wasn't like BSing, like he was, he was being honest after Ole Miss, after they lost a 2-1 game to Ole Miss that eventually ended their season, they didn't know it at the time, um, and that just doesn't hold up, because I asked Fit the same thing, I was like, look, like, like I heard this. I heard Beesmer make the exact same argument. Like, there's no way this holds up, right? And he was like, "No, absolutely not." Like, let's let's call this what it is, which was refreshing. <laughs> Missouri should just show up and fail. Yeah, I mean, what's the NCAA gonna do? <laughs> We're playing for TCU. Thanks. Um, 
So, yeah, that's an interesting. Although, I, I think uh, when it's all said and done with Arkansas, yes, probably yeah, winning that. Yeah, I, I don't have much doubt that Arkansas is going to win their regional because they, they got a little bit of a break with their four seed. Central Connecticut State is not Jacksonville State. Yeah, um, I think I mentioned this on Monday. I actually know what Central Connecticut State is. I think they're the Blue Devils. Blue Deep. Maybe. Yeah, I think they are the Blue Devils. Um, yeah, I I tried to do a story on a kid from there a while back. It was didn't work out, but it was interesting. I I never actually heard of Central Connecticut State until then. Um, so I guess the last game we'll play before we get to the fit interview is who got screwed. Um. And I just, I just made up that title uh, as we go. No, so we, we, we could do this twofold. What regional host got screwed? Who got a draw that you probably don't want? It like, it's probably not great. It's and, West Virginia, right? Well, West yeah, Virginia. but you got to remember, what's so West Virginia is the fifteenth seed. Yeah, so I mean, fa- factor to go somewhere. So yeah, exactly. So factor that in. Like, is there a seed? Like, did one of the eight? I say eight national seeds. I know it doesn't work like that now, but you know what I'm getting at. Did a oh, higher yeah. higher seed? Like, get stuck with someone that you didn't want. Like, you got to factor all that. Who do you think got screwed? Okay, I'll give you an interesting one. I think Georgia Tech may have gotten an Auburn team that's going to hold Tanner Burns, I think, and that's going to be a nightmare on Saturday for them Uh, because Tanner Burns is really good. Uh, Georgia Tech really wins on offense. They're not great on the mound. If I and and there's, I'm not going to say they got screwed, but I think if there's a top five seed that doesn't advance out of this weekend, I think it's them. Well, that's another interesting point you bring up because, like, not that it really ultimately matters at all, hardly, but in what world is Georgia Tech the three national seed and the state's the six? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I thought state was closer to the three than they were the six. To uh, I thought state was the three, actually. Yeah, so did I, and I thought that was... Uh, I thought that was fairly cut and dry. Like, if they had shown up as the four, then okay. But six was a little surprising to me. And like I said, it probably doesn't ultimately matter. And, like, it's not something to make a huge deal out of. But, like, that, like, the whole thing where, like, I, what did I ask Fit yesterday? I was like, I'm not going to ask you to make sense, like, make that make sense with TCU because it doesn't. Like, you can't really make that make sense either, can you? No. The, well, the only thing that uh, you could get on state about is their non conference strength of schedule was horrendous. I mean, absolutely horrendous, and they may have punished them for that, but it still doesn't make, like, state's metrics outside of that should absolutely overcome the uh, non-conference strength of schedule. Okay, so I'll give you one that might, I don't know if they got screwed with overall their draw, but it feels like East Carolina getting NC State as a 2C just because of geography, that kind of sucks, doesn't it? Yeah, that sucks. Because, I mean, East Carolina's good. Yeah. Uh, And saying that, I mean, NC State had to go somewhere, you know? Um, and they couldn't go to North Carolina. So it's, it kind of is what it is. I think ECU kind of gets that. I, think, I got ECU in Omaha, actually. Yeah, I don't I don't hate that pick either. And I'm kind of going through and just seeing if anyone else. Um, you're Oklahoma State. Stanford, Stanford got a they – got they got hosed a little bit. You get UCSB, who's really good, and uh, you get a really good three-seed in, in Fresno, and Sac State's not terrible as your four. They kind of got a tough draw. Yeah, and that's uh, that is matched up with Starkville. Yeah, yeah, it is. Because Santa Barbara was trying to host in Las Vegas. Yeah, because that makes a good sense. Boy, I would have been down for that honestly. If Ole Miss <laughs> hadn't have made that run, I'd be like, yeah, send them, send them to the Gauchos, um, <laughs> in, in Nevada. Yeah, that's really like I'm going through. I can't. No one else really has a gripe. Um, Tadlock and Texas Tech, they get 
DBU and a Florida team that got in the field. Like, I don't think Florida's that good, but still you're kind of like, eh. Yeah, well, I think DBU beats them first game because Florida can't pitch. Well, then Army has that Friday night kid that's pretty solid. No, that's Navy. Oh, excuse me, Navy. Sorry. Sorry to the troops. Um, Yeah. I mean, I don't – yeah, I don't – is – there's not a real four seed that's got a dominant ace, like a first-round ace like you would have seen uh, maybe with Elon or, or Navy had a guy who was a second or third rounder. You don't have that type guy. So I don't know if there's going to be that many 4-1 upsets this year. Scouts last club at UNC Wilmington's a four seed in Chapel Hill. I guess that they're not that good. Yeah, I mean, they're – yeah, that's, that's not a bad program. So Nice troll yeah. job here sending uh, LSU, Stony Brook to LSU. You think they they had to think about that, right? Oh, absolutely. So I got an interesting one. I don't necessarily give them much of a chance, but uh, Southern Miss is holding Walker Powell for Saturday. Yeah, or are they holding him, or they threw him on Sunday. Well, that's I say holding him. That's why. Yeah, he's throwing because of that, and so Shepard gives the ball Friday. Um, I don't know that. So we had Coach Scott Barry on the radio show on Monday. He wasn't na- ready to name a rotation. I'm not saying they got a chance, but man, every time we had Scott Barry on the show, we were it seemed like every week we were talking about how Walker because their bullpen is so thin that talked about like every every single week it was like yeah Walker Powell threw another complete game on Friday and saved the pen like you get him against LSU you never know yeah because dirty little secret is LSU's not that good they are not and their pitching is not scary like you're telling me Walker Power against Eric Walker well surely they're gonna hold Cole Henry right surely. You have to, don't you? Mm. It's, it's got to be Marceau or, or Henry in that second game, I think. Yeah, I guess you're probably right. But still, does that terrify you? No, it doesn't. But Eric Walker's a bum. I'm sorry. No, no offense to his parents. He was not a bum before TJ. Yeah, I know. Because I remember, I've said it a hundred times with this podcast, but that Sunday game in 17 with him and Rolleston squaring off as freshman was a lot of fun. And, man, he yeah. just hasn't been the same since he's throwing 87-88 mile-an-hour fastballs. Yeah. I mean, he wasn't even throwing that against Ole Miss down there. He was 85-86. Ole Miss just lit him up. Yeah. And, yeah. I mean, it's you're right. So, But, yeah, LSU is not that – I mean, they they have the Hoover magic every year. I get that. But they're not, they're not that good. No. And I – I tell you, I'm not going to be floored if Arizona State or Southern, whoever wins that first game, wins that second game. Because both of those teams can hit. And I does mean, LSU have the depth to get through the loser's bracket? No, they don't. If LSU falls in the loser's bracket, they are not winning that regional. That could be interesting. Well, result in a coaching change. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I think, well, I don't know, would it? I mean, those people are crazy. Those people are nuts, but the AD is not. <laughs> That'd be a power move from Scott Woodward, just all already just start axing kids. So, without further ado, I guess we'll get to the fit uh, interview, and then we'll come back after that, kind of wrap things up. A lot of good stuff there. So, without further ado, here is Aaron Fit of D1 Baseball. I'm assuming most of you listening know what that is, and D1 covers the covers the college game nationally better than anyone. They hire really cool interns. Not going to name any names. That's not necessary. Um, but you should subscribe to D1. It's a great site. They, the guys know their stuff. They work really hard. Aaron, how are you? I'm doing great. How you doing? Doing well. What like what is this time of year for you? Is this like Christmas? Is this crunch time? Is it all wrapped up into one? What's it What's it like? Yeah, it's it's all of that. You know, it's a lot of fun. 
Uh, it's very exciting. It's a lot of work. Uh, you know, not not a lot of sleep. Let's put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you. What is uh? So where are you headed this weekend? What's kind of your plan of attack? I'll be bouncing back and forth between uh, Greenville and, and Chapel Hill here in North Carolina. So it's always nice when you got two drivable regionals and you can sleep in your own bed. So I'll take it. Absolutely, that did work out. So I, I guess we'll just kind of start there. Just kind of looking, looking, looking around the field of, of '64. Did did anything really stand out or surprise you? I know there was a lot made of the Ole Miss kind of versus A and M for the last hosting spot. Then Ole Miss jumps all the way up to twelve. Just was there any surprises in general with regards to hosting or or anyone in the tournament? Uh, I would say no with regards to hosting. I and mean, I think Ole Miss, uh, you know, earned that spot with their run in Hoover and. You know, of course, if you compare them with A&M, the, the 4-0 head-to-head record is, is pretty loud. And, um, you know, I mean, it's unusual for an SEC team with a 22 RPI to host. Um, we weren't sure if the committee would pull the trigger on that, but we thought they probably deserved it. Just they've played such a tough schedule. It's, it's amazing that they don't have a higher RPI considering, you know, they've played 38 games against the top 50, uh, But uh, which is one thing that we, we wondered if that could hold them back. But, you know, ultimately... Uh, we had no objections, and in fact, we projected Ole Miss to host in our final projections. So, uh, the only the real surprise to me with this field was was TCU getting in. Um, you know, a team with a 59 RPI and a losing record in conference. I mean, that's unprecedented. There's never been a case with a team with that kind of RPI and a losing conference record and losing records against the top 25, top 50, top 100. Those teams don't get in, and that one was a shocker. Yeah, so that was. I'm sitting here with my co-host Colin Brister, and that was kind of the one of the main things we wanted to ask you about. And like, I feel like because Kendall came on the radio show yesterday, and we like, I think Richard asked him to make sense of it, and you just kind of outlined how you can't. But I guess what I will ask you is like, what do you think the thinking is amongst the committee in that room when a decision like that's made over maybe like a Missouri or a BYU? Because I know, I, I know Ray Tanner, I believe it was, was kind of cited the injury thing, but like I kind of watched. Uh, Beesmer kind of make that same argument after they lost a 2-1 game to Ole Miss on Tuesday, so that didn't seem to really hold up. So, like, what do you think the thinking was when that kind of was made? I think they had an ally in the room, and that's Chris Del Conte, the, the <laughs> athletic director of Texas, who's best friends with Jim Schlossnagel, you know, was in his wedding. I mean, come on, guys. I mean, it's, it's, it's not rocket science here. It's just obviously a politics pick, and we've seen this happen before with the committee, you know, Texas A&M. Um, you know, got in one year when they had no business getting in because Dan Hyman was on the committee, you know, their athletic director. So that stuff happens a lot. And uh, anyone who, who doesn't think that happens uh, is not living in the real world. And that's the only reason that TCU got in. I cannot fathom any other, any other explanation. The injury thing is bogus. I mean, it's one thing. Look, I, I think the committee should take injuries into account for a case like Duke, where, you know, Duke was 3-9 was and nine in the ACC. They were buried. Uh, without their best player, Joey Loperfito. And then he came back, and they were a different team. The lights, you know, came on, and they, they, they went 22-11 and 11 the rest of the way and 12-6 and, and six in the league. And, you know, that's a, a proven difference. Here's what we were before the injury. Here's what we are after. You can't say, oh, well, I think they're getting healthy now. They they're should get their, their, their guys back next week. I mean, that, that, doesn't, that doesn't hold water. That's bogus. Aaron uh, Collin here. Was was this one of the weaker hosting bubbles that you've seen? Because we had Texas A and M and Ole Miss as the last two hosting, I guess, spots. Uh, it would have been Texas A and M, who was set a historically low number of SEC wins to host, and Ole Miss, who you mentioned had the twenty-two RPI, and that hardly ever happens. Is this one of the weaker uh, hosting bubbles you've ever seen? 
I, I could I couldn't really hear you there. It sounded very faint in the background. Can oh. you repeat it? Sorry, he's uh, he might have a microphone issue too. He's asking if this is one of the weaker hosting bubbles you've ever seen because you had A and M that probably would have set kind of a lower SEC win threshold for hosting, and then you had Ole Miss with the problematic RPI. Did you think the back end of the hosting bubble was perhaps weaker than you've seen in years past? Uh, not necessarily, you know, because really NC State and Miami both had pretty good hosting cases too. Um, and they probably feel like they got snubbed, but, you know, RPI's just outside the top 16, and for an ACC team, and, you know, without a ton of top 50 wins to carry them, um, that, that kind of held them back. But, I mean, those have been viable hosts. I mean, you could have gone with either one of those teams or A&M. So, really, I felt like you had, um, and Santa Barbara even had a case, you know, with all the wins that they had, and I, I don't think ultimately they, they should have gotten it just because they had no top 50 games, but it's not easy to go, 45 and 7 or whatever they did. I mean, that's impressive, you know. <laughs> and uh, for West Coast team, usually those guys can get a little extra leeway with the RBI. So, really, I thought you had 20 teams that would have been viable host contenders for those 16 spots. And I think the committee settled on the right 16 when it was all said and done. Kind of centering the focus to, to Mississippi, when you when you kind of look at both the Starkville and Oxford Regional, does anything jump out? I guess we can start with Ole Miss. Like, should they have the Ohio Valley scaries against Jacksonville State? Just kind of what do you make of that, that regional? Jacksonville State's a good club, you know, and, and they've had a really good year. They've been the team to beat in that league all season long. Um, you know, they were a preseason pick to win the Ohio Valley, and uh, they won the regular season and won the conference tournament. I mean, they're, that's, a, that's a, a pesky four seed for sure. Um, and, and I think, you know, in Illinois certainly is a team that uh, could make some noise in Oxford. I like Illinois' club a lot. Um, you know, you've got some really good experienced hitters there with, with Zach Taylor and Grant Van Scoy and, um, you know, an elite second baseman, Michael Massey, one of the best uh, in the country at his position, didn't make an error all year, and he can really hit. He's going to be a good draft pick. Um, and on the mound, I mean, you know, it's not like big – power arms that scare you in the rotation. You know, Andy Fisher can really pitch, and Ty Weber, they're kind of pitchability guys. Uh, but Cirillo Watson's got a big arm for him, and Garrett Acton at the back of the bullpen's got a huge arm. He's one of the best closers in the country. He's got 19 saves. Um, so there, there are some nice pieces on that Illinois club. Um, but, you know, I think Clemson is a soft three seed. I mean, I, you know, they deserve to be in. They deserve to be a three seed, but I don't think they're, they're really great i'll be honest with you they're just they're a very average team that i don't think is a threat to win that regional so for me it probably comes down to Ole miss in illinois um and, and i like Ole miss i mean at home and you know it's the way they're rolling right now with all their firepower in the lineup i think they're going to score a lot of runs this weekend have you seen much if any at all of farmer the kid that jacksonville state may throw friday night i haven't seen him but i know he's got good stuff i mean it's uh you know, I think it's a low 90s arm with, with good secondary stuff. I mean, he's a, he's a guy that could beat you, and he really competes. He's got a lot of experience. Um, so definitely uh, not, not a real easy draw in that first game. Kind of looking over to Starkville, it was interesting. I thought, I thought it was interesting that State got Miami, a team that was at least on the cusp of kind of the bubble, con- in the, excuse me, the hosting bubble conversation. What did you make of that draw, and, like, what do you see as, I guess, a potential – trip up in that regional. I don't know a ton about Central Michigan, but between that and Miami, just kind of what do you see from that regional? That's a, that's a tough little regional field. I mean, uh, Miami is, is, as you talked about, is, uh, is a team that could have hosted. And, and, you know, they really they have a lot to like about that club. I mean, it's, a, it's still kind of a young club. Um, a lot of very good freshmen and sophomores. There's a ton of talent in that, that underclass group. And, um, you know, they can score runs. I mean, they've got power with Alex Terrell leading the way and Adrian Del Castillo, who's a freshman who's 
uh, going to be, a, I think, a big-time star in college baseball. Is already a threat. Um, you know, Freddie Zamora at shortstop can really swing the bat and has uh, has good actions, but been kind of inconsistent on defense. I think the infield defense is maybe a little bit of a concern for Miami. And and how healthy are they on the mound? You know, with with Evan McKendry and, and Chris McMahon, two of their their best arms in the rotation, uh, missed some time down the stretch, but I think they're both back now. Um, so that's the key for them. And they, I think they've got enough pieces in the bullpen, too, led by Greg Felice. So there, there's a lot of talent uh, there for Miami. And it's a team that uh, won't be an easy out, for sure. And then Central Michigan, I mean, heck, they, they come into this thing riding an 18-game winning streak. Um, so it's, you know, they're, they're, it's a team that really has a lot of belief in itself. Um, so first-year coach um, who came from the small college ranks and has just uh, instilled a, a ton of toughness in this, in this team. Jordan Bischel, he's, uh, I mean, he should... You know, he's not going to get Coach of the Year nationally, but boy, what an incredible job he's done. Uh, and they've got an, a really exciting player named Xavier Warren, um, who uh, is a standout athlete, uh, can hit for average, he's got some power, he hits a lot of doubles, he steals bases. Uh, Zach Giles is a dynamic guy in their lineup with a lot of speed, so they're going to put pressure on you with the running game. I mean, they like to run a lot, um, and, and that's, a, that's a real strength for them. And, you know, do they have the kind of arms that can shut down the offense in this regional, I'm, I'm, I'm skeptical of that, but they, they pitch pretty well. I mean, the top end of their staff has, has been pretty solid, led by Pat Leatherman and, and Cameron Brown in the rotation, so uh, I think they're going to be competitive, and for God's sake, they won 18 games in a row, guys. It's hard to do. What did you, I know you were at the ACC tournament, just from kind of a, a distance, what did you see, like, what did you make of Ole Miss's run in Hoover? Because I'm only, like, I, I guess this is my sixth year covering and like this is the most confusing team I've ever really covered out of them like I kind of had them written off like I didn't really think the team had much of a pulse when they got to Hoover and then they really kind of seemed to to flip a switch and I know that's cliche but it was it was true you could tell kind of the way they they pitched it it was a broken bullpen and they kind of patched things up what did you make of that and did you originally think that losing Sunday was enough to host just kind of what did you think once they got to the weekend with regards to their hosting chances I thought heading into the week that they were kind of out of the hosting mix. You know, with that RPI, I think it was, what, 31 or something, if I'm not mistaken, heading into the SEC tournament. So they, they needed to make a deep run to have a chance, and, and, they, and they pulled it off, you know, beating uh, A&M in Arkansas and Georgia, three straight games. That put them right there, and, and that's, you know, what put them over the top ultimately. But, um, yeah, I mean, I've been waiting for that, that pitching staff to kind of coalesce because I've – you know, I've always thought all year long that they're better than the results have shown. I mean, there's there's talent there. We all know how good, you know, Caracy can be when he's locked in. And, um, you know, I mean, it, it's uh, the complimentary pieces. I mean, there's, there's there's legit arms. I mean, Austin Miller is a, is, a, is a quality kind of bridge guy for him, you feel like. I mean, you see him on the right day, you think this guy's pretty darn good. And, you know, those two guys came up big for them in, in the tournament. And, you know, I mean, I think this team uh, – they're starting to get that belief a little bit. And if you can get those freshmen, Nikhazy and, and, uh, and Hoagland, to pitch the way they did in the conference tournament, I mean, it could certainly be an Omaha team. And maybe they don't even need those kind of performances out of those guys if, if they swing the bats the way they're capable of, because I still think it's an elite offense uh, when, they're, when they're going good. The two-parter here, when you look around, just was there a host site that you think maybe got a tough draw? And I guess kind of, kind of piggybacking off that is, do you think there's a host that could really be in trouble? Um, I think I think Stanford got a tough draw, you know, with Santa Barbara as, as the two seed, a very very offensive club, um, with a solid enough rotation that, that has a lot of belief in itself after winning all those games. Uh, and Fresno State is a three. I think it's probably the strongest three in the field. I thought they could have been a two, 
I, I probably should have been a two. Um, and Sac State, you know, is, is, a, is a quality four seed, you know, not exceptional, but the team that can beat you. Um, and, and, you know, all those teams play, they're familiar with each other out there on the West Coast, and, and uh, that can sometimes uh, be a pitfall. But I, I like Sanford's team a lot, ultimately. I still think they're really balanced and complete, and I like their chances to win that regional, but it's not going to be easy. Uh, but, I mean, other hosts looking around the country, um, I mean, I, I think most of the hosts, it sets up pretty good for them. I mean, I think maybe Morgantown, you look at a team like Texas A&M could go in there and, uh, and take that regional just because, you know, I mean, A&M is an SEC team that is really battle-tested and has high-end arms. And, um, you know, I, I, the key thing for me is what does West Virginia do with Alec Manoa? You know, they're, they're shut down ace, a top-ten pick in the, in the draft coming up. Um, if they hold him for Saturday, which I imagine they will, I imagine they'll pitch off against Fordham, maybe it sets up pretty well for the Mountaineers. But I, I feel like the Aggies are, are a threat there in Morgantown. Kind of closing up, one of the things that I guess not necessarily religion related, but while I have you here, one of the things I appreciate most, I think, about what you and you and Kendall and the rest of the guys at D1 do is cover the legislative side of the game. And I think part of that is because this is a sport that sometimes really gets, well, I mean, they get screwed over by by a lot of things. And, you know, the third assistant was kind of the big vote and, and the big fuss this year. And, and we obviously, we we've, it's been well documented. We don't have to rehash that. But I kind of looked at it from a different perspective in the sense that there was such a public outcry once the vote, I guess, was was turned down. Do you think the outcry and kind of the, the, the ruffle that caused is indicative of how the game's grown in popularity? Because I kind of looked at it from that lens a little bit as, as disappointing as the vote was. Yeah, I think you're onto something there. I mean, it's it's. Uh, uh, I've heard people say that if the vote happened again, you know, the next week after that, that it would have passed easily. You know, because I think that outcry uh, finally kind of reached some of those ads who voted no, and they say, hey, wait a minute, you know, maybe we screwed up here. Um, and that's not easy to get through to those guys because my God, I thought we put the full court press on them. You know, I thought all of college <laughs> baseball put the full court press on them. I mean, I don't know what, what more we can do as an industry. I mean, the coaches were more mobilized than I've ever seen them behind any issue, um, and certainly the media as well was right on board. Uh, and, and and still lost. I mean, it was it was shocking. It was a really devastating setback. And so, um, I, I have to imagine that you know these ads they saw how upset everybody was afterwards, and I think it's going to get done, um, you know, next time it comes up. Hopefully these ADs, you know, their memories are long enough that they can recall how this thing went down and, and, um, and how much of a, uh, a controversy it caused, and hopefully they'll do the, next, the right thing next time. Last thing, well, like if there's one team that you're hitching your wagons to to win this whole thing, who is it? Uh... You know, my pick, I think, right now is Mississippi State. I think, I think Mississippi State's the most complete team in the country. Well, one of the most complete teams in the country. Um, I mean, for me, I've, I've said all along, I thought there's an elite tier of three teams that uh, I think are, are the favorites, and that's UCLA, Vanderbilt, and Mississippi State. Um, and UCLA's had the best season, and Vanderbilt was right there behind them. I mean, right there with them, really. Uh, but, but I still, I just like this Mississippi State with the Omaha experience that they have, and um, the way that uh, the, the bullpen came together again for them down the stretch. And, of course, it's a great offense. They play great defense. Um, I, I just have a feeling about that club. You know, I think they're, they're really good, and I think that uh, that experience matters in the postseason. Aaron Fitt, we really appreciate your time today. That, that was great stuff. And, and please go subscribe to D1 Baseball. The guys do over there do amazing work. They keep you informed nationally, and it, it, it's really awesome stuff. Well worth the subscription. Aaron, we really appreciate your time. We'll have to do it again soon. 
Always a pleasure, my friend. I thought that was a really interesting interview, other than the fact that I silenced Colin for the entire thing by cutting the cord on his mic. I don't really know how I did that one again, but a lot of good stuff there. Aaron's a really nice dude. Uh, they do good work at D1 Baseball. I found that to be fairly interesting. Yeah, yeah, it was a lot of good stuff there. Uh, like we kind of mentioned, the uh, TCU answer was really refreshing. Yeah, it's just like, yeah, I mean, let's call this... Basically, let's call a spade a spade here. Like, they got in because they had an ally on the committee. It was, uh, which was refreshing to hear. And then, um, you know, he and Kendall both are high on, I mean, I say high on, they both in the last week have picked State to kind of win the whole thing. And, like, that's a justified pick because they're a good team. I just, I have a hard time after watching Vanderbilt on Sunday. Yeah. Like, I haven't seen a lot at uh, UCLA, so I'm not, not, like, ruling UCLA out. But, man, who's beating Vanderbilt twice? Yeah, that's kind of what I'm thinking. I mean, Vandy's got Drake Fellows, and he's not been great this year, but he's a first-round arm. And, uh, you know, Kumar Rocker was a first-round pick that turned down, you know, like $7 billion last year to come to school. So they've got dudes on the uh, front end of that rotation that can pitch it, and that lineup is something. There is not a weak spot in that lineup. I know Julian Infante's batting average isn't great. He's got like over 800 OPS in SEC play. One through nine, those dudes just match. Took him six innings to strike out last Sunday against Ole Miss. That was the craziest thing. That was the craziest stat of that day. And it's not like it's not like it's like soft outs either because they're not hitting like even dude they would pop out to the second baseman and that ball would go into the sky. Yeah, well, Bladay hit one because I think it was Adams that he missed. Yeah, yeah, five hundred foot ball by about a millimeter. Yeah, that was uh that thing that thing went way up there. So, yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat. I, I get them picking State, though, because State is a really complete team. They are really, really good. And when you have Ethan Small and you have JT Ginn, like, you got a shot. And that Plumlee kid has probably been the, one of the biggest difference makers for them because he's been competitive pretty much every Sunday. Yeah, yeah, and, and that's what you really need to uh, win a regional and, and, you know, go deep in the College World Series is consistency from that third starter, and they've certainly got that. Right, and that's what's interesting to me because Ole Miss is obviously probably—I mean, obviously not in the necessarily the same stratosphere as those two teams in terms of like completeness. But one of the things that was interesting about Hoover that you maybe think this Ole Miss team has a chance is that the that Zach Phillips and Gunnar Hoogland have been really good. Like for I mean, given what they were at the beginning of the year, they've been really good lately. And that's the kind of depth you're going to need to get through a postseason. I kind of on the Zach Phillips thing. What do you think they do with him this weekend? Do you think that he's just off limits unless there's a game four? Um, maybe, but, maybe, but, like, is there a scenario where someone gets bounced early? Like, say they make, like, let's just say if Ole Miss wins their, wins its first two games, and then in game three you get down, like, two to three to nothing, and, like, Hoagland gets pulled early, but you still feel like you're in the game, do you not let Phillips just eat some innings? Yeah, but what do you do on Monday if you do that? I mean, you've got. I think at some point you have to say, "I'm going to hold either Houston Roth or Zach Phillips for a game four, right? Yeah, and you probably rather have Phillips. Yeah, I mean, he's. I mean, I think Houston's really good, but I don't think he's. I'm talking about length wise. Yeah, yeah. That, that's simply why I was saying you'd rather have Phillips than Roth. There is just because there's been more, more like Phillips has proven he can go longer, and while Roth gave everything he pretty much had for him in that. Um, in that Georgia. semifinal game against Georgia, um, it, it just seems like Phillips is probably better equipped to go longer. Yeah, and I think Roth is better equipped in short stint. So I think I think that's why I kind of 
unless there, there's there's going to have to be a dire scenario. Like maybe, you know, and God forbid this happens, uh, Will Etheridge comes out after an inning and a third with a blister on Friday. That might be a scenario where you go to him. But other than that, I don't really know what you do, how, how you would use him in the first three games. Yeah, and what, what was interesting, and this may just, it's, it's probably nothing because Myers had been really good up to that point, but what really killed Ole Miss in that Sunday game was Myers not being good. Because he was very, he was fresh, he had pitched once that week, and everyone else was kind of gassed. Like, how does that? I guess you don't put a ton of weight into that, and you run him back out there when you can. But that was at least a little alarming. Well, I think you know him warming up, and people won't realize this, and, and won't make a big deal about it. But he got hot five days in a row, and I which is why matters. he didn't pitch Saturday. Yeah, and I, I do think that matters. Yeah, that's fair. Um. I'm trying to, like, was, and one of the interesting things, and I think I asked Fit there at the end, was about the third assistant thing. Like, I don't really want to rehash that again because it's what it's 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 like frustrating in the sense that like it got voted down. But like, it, it was I thought his answer was interesting. But I asked him like from a different like looking at it from a different lens. Do you think the outcry was indicative of the sport growing in popularity? And he kind of agreed. And I think that's definitely true because, like, I, that vote's gotten shot down before, and I don't remember hearing that level of just, like, outrage and anger. Yeah, no, I haven't either. It was, uh, that was not a, yeah, I, th- I think they kind of expected it to pass until, what, the Big 12 and the uh, Big 10 voted it down. I mean, that that was a major blow to them. So, yeah, I think, uh, you know, once they got voted down, it, the outcry about it kind of showed, you know, just how many people are kind of passionate about college baseball and, and really wanted the uh, game to grow it at the rate that it probably should. Yeah, and it was interesting because I think Fitz said that if it had been if it had been voted on again a week later, it probably passes, and now you got to wait two years, even though Greg Sankey said in the broadcast booth apparently on Sunday there's a way to get around it. I, I wasn't on t- listening on TV. Did, like, did he specify what way that is, or is he just throwing uh, out there that there's a way? I was in the stadium and have refused to go back and watch that game, so I'm not sure. Interesting. I might have to go watch back and watch that just for that, just kind of figure out what he said and, and why. But, yeah, really inter- interesting interview from Aaron. I always appreciate him giving us time. Great dude. Uh, what he said, he's he's doing the, the ECU Chapel Hill thing this right. weekend. Yeah, he's based out of – he lives in Charlotte. So that's actually fairly convenient because he's going to spend, you know, two weeks in Omaha and probably go somewhere else for a super. I don't know. He may go to uh, Greenville for a super. Um, but – that that's got to be fairly convenient, not having to go anywhere necessarily. Sleeping your own bed. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, when you get two regionals in your home state, that's a, that's a, well, I guess East Carolina, South Carolina. No, I think it's North Carolina. No, Greenville. Greenville. That's South Carolina. I'm a bad yeah. geography guy. Um, yeah, me too. I can't believe I just did that. I'm I just I'm about to Google this. This is really gonna piss me off. <laughs> just make sure. No, no, we are correct. Okay, it's a Greenville, North Carolina. All right. Our 10th grade teachers would be so proud. You know, now that I look back at that, that was 50-50 whether I was getting that right. I didn't know Greenville, North Carolina existed. I just thought of ECU as North Carolina and then Greenville. But the only town I know is Greenville, South Carolina. That was a bit of a mind pretzel. Um, Yeah, so really, that's about it on the college baseball front. The NBA Finals is going to start between now and the next podcast we do. Um (laughs) And Kevin Durant is probably not playing. Like this is probably the end of Kevin. Like this, is, we've seen the last of Kevin Durant as a Warrior. He's not going to play like any, right? Well, the the Warriors keep leaking out stuff that that uh, he could be ready. Like they're taking him on the trip, could be ready for Game Two. But if you talk to, like, if you read anyone with actual NBA sources, they do not think he's playing in this wow. at all. 
Because at the beginning of it, it was a cast strain, which I was listening to Bill Simmons the other day, and he actually made a really good point. It's like there's no such thing as a calf strain. Like it's like a strain is a tear. It's just not a full tear. And so they said three to six weeks. The beginning of the finals would be three weeks. They said it was worse than you originally thought. So like, like that would be six weeks. I don't think he's playing. I think that makes it a little more interesting with Toronto. I still I would probably take the Warriors in six. Yeah, but a real competitive six. It would, it makes it at least fun to watch, I guess. Yeah, and then you forget that Kawhi Leonard's a dude. Like, he sat out last year, and you forget how great he was, and he pretty much just willed a team of... Like, there's only one dude on that team that could create a shot, and it's pretty much him. So it's him scoring the ball down the stretch. And, man, like, I thought the Bucks were winning that series. I thought it was over. Like, I, I thought I, I thought when it was 2-0, I was like, Toronto just doesn't have the firepower, and, boy, did he just will them to it. He is unbelievable. Yeah, one four in a row. That was crazy. Uh but I think it's going to be one of the more entertaining finals that we've had in a while. I'm but I kind of think the Warriors don't want Kevin Durant to play. Like yeah, the team, there's definitely an fu factor to this. Like, hey, we're like we're still the Warriors. Like, we don't need this guy. It's great to have him, but we don't need you. Like, we already won without you. We we certainly don't need you. And I think that's evident in the way they played. I mean, they hadn't lost a game since he's gone out. Yeah, wow, I didn't think about that. Yeah, no, there's 100% an FU, like, we're still the Warriors, we won 73 games without you. Like, that Draymond thing at the beginning of the season was saying what a lot of people were thinking, where, like, we basically won without you, that whole feud. Um, I think there's certainly an element to that. I don't think there's animosity between them. Like, I think they probably have a healthy respect for each other, but it's like, all right, dude, you're gone, and we're going to come back, and we're probably going to win this thing next year. (laughs) And they probably will. Yeah, and it's interesting that Toronto has home court, so that at least makes this kind of like, you know, if Toronto holds serve and goes up 2-0, that, that, that's, yeah. that's at least going to make this fascinating to yeah, watch. Is it 2-3-2 is it two, two, or it's 2-2-1-1? Two, two, one, they one, went one. back to 2-2-1-1-1. Two, two, one, one, one. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I don't think Toronto is going to hold home court, and I think Golden State probably will, so I think we look at this thing and it's 3-1, and then it goes 3-2, and then it ends in Oracle at 4-2. I, I, I agree, but just the fact that if you can push it to a Game 7, that Game 7 being in Toronto makes it fascinating. That'd be, yeah, it'd be something. So, that'll, we'll, uh, we'll probably hit more on that on Friday. Um, so, for Colin Brister, like, oh, you got anything else? I always forget to ask. I don't know. Really, oh, oh, I think that's all we got. You don't have a clown of the week this week? Let me get that Friday, because we... we uh, we uh we did a lot of baseball today. We'll uh we'll get to that Friday, and we'll probably do another question. We're we're doing terrible with this question thing being on Wednesday. We keep forgetting, so we'll just collect that on Friday before the regional to be great. Yep, that'll work. Sounds good. Well, for Colin Brister, I am Brian Scott Rippy. We'll be back at it on Friday when the regional baseball play will have been underway. A Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.